Grace, peace, and welcome to Podcast of the Wills, a podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. I am Nick Milkey. And I'm Steve Renault. And Nick, we uh, wrapped up Clone Wars. We, we have announcements of a couple of things coming out, uh, books and TV shows. Uh, you want to tackle news and then we can look into the wrap up of Clone Wars? Let's or do, do you want to... Why don't, you, why don't you talk about, we have a plan, Nick. We have a recording plan now. <laughs> we have a plan. We, ha- we have been a little bit absent lately. We've been a little bit rusty. Um, I joked with you a while back that it was nice of us to get out our review of End of Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker podcast about a month ago, only yeah. several short months after all those things ended. Um, we love doing this podcast. We don't always find the time being busy dads and husbands yeah. and everything else but we're going to try and strive to be a little more consistent and as as you mentioned earlier um it's hard when you think that during this quarantine that we've all been in it would have been easy and we'd have had a lot more time and it turns out there's people around all the time and when you're Mm -hmm. at home with your family it's harder to find the time you need to record so we we haven't found as much of it but we're going to try and be a little more consistent and get some more shows out there we've got some ideas and some yeah. things and maybe even some exciting guests that we're going to try and get plugged in. That's true. Nick, would you say that we maybe started this whole process without a good plan and that kind of that kind of was a detriment to the whole thing? That that certainly would be appropriate. To say. Well, then this is a perfect Star Wars podcast. <laughs> exactly right. We are, we are following the Lucasfilm Star Wars Disney mode of operating let's go for it. it's very han solo let's put it that way i like that spin Shoot, better we're shooting from, the hip. shooting from the hip here um, I, I never asked i never asked that question until it's over with so so nick what is the the a big piece of news that you are excited about why don't you share and then i'll share and then we'll dive into clone wars um i'll tell you this and i this is going to be a weird piece of news to share because i don't have any video game systems and i have yeah. Very briefly played Battlefront 2 with a good friend of mine, John, on his PlayStation. I don't have a PlayStation. It's a lot um, of fun. But I actually watched last night the unveiling of some of the gameplay footage of Star Wars Squadrons that's going to be coming out in October. Ooh. And it is crazy exciting. I don't. Have know you not gotten to play Fallen Order? I have not played Fallen Order at all. Um, that is a beautiful, fun game. But and I, and it, I have heard it, as much. It takes. I've also heard it's maddeningly hard. It is. It is hard, and it is a massive. You like you only go to like three or four worlds, right? But you legit go to worlds. <laughs> it's not like it. It's yes, uh, it's a thing. I, I I still hope to acquire a. Maybe with the PS5s coming out soon, I'll be able to grab a four on a bargain and get, yeah. play catch up on some of those. But Star Wars Squadrons, they did some release and. Um, gameplay footage last night on a little online EA something. I'll have and, to check um, that out. It's very, very cool looking. They've got, you've got Empire and you've got Rebel. You've got five different types of ships. It's only cockpit view because it's very detailed and customizable. So like you can shift your shields from the front to the back. If you're on a bombing run, you can, you know, increase speed weapons. Like there's all these different things. I think I even saw in the footage, um, you can get basically like a Funko Pop Ewok to put on the dash of your starship as you're flying around. Nice. What um, uh, what time period does it take place in? I or does it stretch some? I don't know for sure about the time period. I'm sure they probably said, and I missed it. Um, I do know that in the trailer for it, you get a quick fa- shot of Wedge, and you also get a shot of Hera. 
Um, you a also quick shot get, of Wedge. What is this? The Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> exactly. Him, him in the turret. Uh, and there's also a holograph of Ray Sloan at one point as well. Um, so it certainly would have to be, you know, aftermath era or yeah. you know somewhere somewhere going forward from there. Uh, but it just looks really neat, and so like I said, it's kind oh, of a weird thing for me to be wait to do excited about because I don't have a video game system. But I'm going to mooch off my friends that do. There you go. Um, I think my favorite thing is just really seeing strong confirmation Kenobi definitely coming out. You and McGregor tied to it. I know we've known that, but just that's been the most recent thing that I've seen, and and uh, it's just it's really cool to see somebody. Who you know, McGregor is so excited about it. I think it's going to be handled well. Uh, it's going to be a TV show, uh, so I'm, yes. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that they have learned a lot of what went right with the Mandalorian. Um, and last I heard, I haven't seen it confirmed again, but I haven't seen that it's not been confirmed. But that Deborah Chow would be lead chair on this, and she knocked it out of the park with her episodes of Mandalorian. So. Yes, um, I, cer- I certainly hope she is still going to be involved and at the helm of it because I, d- I agree with you. I think her episodes were fantastic. And um, having watched the Disney Gallery series, which I know is new- newer to you and you're going to get caught up I did up not on. know about this. I'm so excited. Um, I've just been watching Star Trek The Next Generation. I've almost finished all seven we, we don't, seasons. We don't talk about those things here, Steve. Sorry. You don't. You can be a fan of both. I'm a fan <laughs> of both. They were both right. pivotal to my childhood. I guess I'll allow it. Um, but yes, I, I am excited to know that that series is still on track. And do you... The last thing I saw is that it's looking like it's going to be four episodes. Does that still sound right? I Maybe didn't see... A long, little bit longer episodes as opposed to I didn't to see that. I think I've seen like it's kind of has a more of a mini series feel mm-hmm. to it. But, but I, I think we'll see. I think this is also Disney getting to play around with new content and and what that looks like because my assumption is it's going to run much like mandalorian and just be on disney plus right um and so which i've enjoyed disney plus um agreed i I think that they've done a good job with that i don't know if i'm ready to pay for it because i got it for free (laughs) for a year with a verizon and uh and so but anyway it would have been it would have been tough not to watch the mandalorian i will say that they would they would have gotten me on that um and to watch the final season of Reb, uh, not Rebels. Oh my gosh, of Clone Wars. We've already <laughs> seen the final Clone season Wars. of of Rebels. So, final season of uh, Clone Wars. We had a twelve episode run. The last mm-hmm. four episodes were uh, like a four parter. Yes. So, uh, I think the way I like to do it is let's let's take a look at kind of like the first four because that kind of is yep. the first arc, and that's, mm-hmm. that's just to catch batch. you up. Yes, the Bad Batch, a distant echo on the wings of uh, Caradax and Unfinished Business. Mm-hmm. And it really follows the the kind of realization that Echo, who we got to see earlier in the Clone Wars, uh, who we thought was uh, had perished, that Echo is alive and they are, the Separatists are basically plugged him into a computer so that they can uh, counteract against... Uh, Republic forces. Mm-hmm. They're and, figuring out their strategy. Yeah. And um, my favorite thing in this first four run is, um, is was this the one where, I'm, I'm trying to remember, uh, we, we go to Anaxis, which plays a role in um, 
in the Aftermath series because this is an axis mm-hmm. is where the kind of the first order is really believed to start with right. the Anaxis rebels or whatever. Um, and you have, um, you have this, this, uh, big, uh, battle on Anaxis, which you get to see kind of Anakin be cocky, but <laughs> you also get to see that he is rightfully cocky. He's rightfully cocky. And that was what I was going to say. My favorite part of this first four episodes is that battle on the bridge where Anakin does his thing <clears throat> was just fun and phenomenal and like you said like he was cocky but there was a reason for it he was good and you know hair blowing in the wind striding across the bridge full full on jedi swagger on display well we also get to i mean it, it was weird to have the techno union which still is one of the funniest <laughs> things the techno union but there are some there are some weird things about this and it's still like to me like rebels was definitely a kid show and clone wars was a kid show plus kind of thing right. you know um but uh, you know we got to see anakin be darker a little bit um mm-hmm. and we get to see kind of uh that make more sense this sense of i'm trying to get things done trying to wrap this up um and and so i i think that we get a pretty good sense of a, a better trajectory of where we are at the end of revenge of the sith um Anything else in that first kind of four episode arc? It was great to see Mace Windu, Mace Windu back. <laughs> it was great to see. Uh, it was just. It was nice to be back. I liked. Honestly, I've always liked the animation style of Clone Wars more than Rebels. Right. And uh, I just kind of liked being back in that universe in that time period. It was just really nice. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It was, and we've talked about this before, but I was never very hardcore about Clone Wars as a show. I would see it some when it was on, but never really spent any time with it. And then here, really, like, coming past Rebels, which I love with all my heart, I started kind of using Clone Wars almost like a reference or an encyclopedia. I would go back to it to rewatch the Mortis arc or to go back and watch the Darksaber arc and all these different things. And eventually I've worked my way through to now where I've seen it all. And that, coupled with Rebels, coupled with the connections that we've seen with Mandalorian and all these other things gives me this greater appreciation for the series as a whole and then watching these last 12 episodes of this final season really you know even has me at this point now going yeah sometime not too long from now I'm probably going to try and rewatch all of Clone Wars and you know again pay attention to those little things along the way that come up somewhere else down the line that I may have missed the first time yeah um well the next four episodes kind of set up an Ahsoka arc uh, unfinished mm-hmm. business gone with a trace deal no deal and dangerous debt um and is that right hang on uh and together again sorry i kind of set this up uh, no unfinished business is the end of end of kenobi anakin's arc so gone with a trace deal yeah. no deal dangerous debt and together again and this is ahsoka crash landing down on uh the lower levels of coruscant did you get the mm-hmm. The callback, the Easter egg here, it was that like CD level that was the was going to be a TV show like decades yes, the Star ago. Star Wars Underworld. Mm-hmm. The Underworld, it was that level. Yep. What was that? Was it like 15, 15? What was it? 10, 10, was that it? I'd, I'd have to go back and look at it. 13, when 13, they, maybe. Something crazy. Something like, but as it's, you know, where she is, is the. Yes. The minute you hear it, you're like, that's not a good level of Coruscant. 
I was not a huge fan of the Martez sisters. They <laughs> Nor kind was of I. they kind of felt like they came from, you know, New York. Uh, right. And they just kind of had New York accents, and it's to me, it's always a little bit like uh, off-putting whenever, like there's random like Irish accents or French accents or New York <laughs> but, accents. But it, but it begs the question: What's worse, the Martez sisters' New York accent or Bill Burr's Boston space accent in Mandalorian? I just there's no way to get rid of Bill Burr's Boston <laughs> accent. That's yeah, I, think I think it's, it's one thing. There. Yeah, I think it's just that's just Bill Burr. Um, but I do think, as much as I did not care for the characters all that too much, they were not they were not annoying. Trace and Rafa were not annoying. Uh, they did make some dumb decisions just as people, um, and that was a little frustrating. But the big thing that I think that they did was they really set up this thing for Ahsoka to see that the Jedi are not well-beloved across the right. galaxy. Um and that that is something I think for the first time Ahsoka is realizing people don't like the Jedi. I think there's an right. assumption that everybody loves us. We're the good guys. We come in, we sure. fix everything. And I think that what but we're... But they got to see the other side of that, kind of the, you know, collateral damage in the Avenger movies kind of deal to a degree. Like, yeah, yeah you're a hero and you get to save the day and go home, but we're still living down here and we're still dealing with the aftermath and the fallout and when the... You know, the grip gets tightened or whatever it is because I think that's exactly what they were to do because if they weren't there to do that, it almost felt like they were being put in there to set up some other future series or <laughs> appearance farther down the road. But I think you're right. I think they were there to give her perspective. Yeah, and and I think that uh, that also not only gives our character perspective, but I think it gives us as the watcher perspective because it always has seemed weird that because uh, we have nothing like this in our in our culture, but for overnight to just hear all the Jedi are dead, mm-hmm. and if these if these people are these warrior monks that everybody reveres, the fact that you wouldn't have people furious like no we we love them to death you can't have you know this we're not going to let this happen but the fact that that we see that in a small a very small version of the universe that there are those who do not like the Jedi um, and that they maybe mistakenly understand what the Jedi are doing, but also that the Jedi do kind of crash into a situation, capture the bad guy and leave something smoldering. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, they brought up zero, the hut, which is an, who is an (laughs) odd character, but that is a callback to earlier. And that's right. And Ahsoka, I I believe was a part of that mission. She was. And so she's kind of hiding the fact that that she uh, that she was part of that that she is Jedi, uh, and uh, but then we finally get the Mandalorians catch up with Ahsoka, and these are those the three Mandalorians, one of whom is Bo Katan, mm-hmm. who um, you know when when we last saw Bo Katan, even though this is set in the past, when we last saw Bo Katan in Rebels, she was right. taking the dark saber. Correct. Um, and and going to lead the people of Mandalore. The last time we saw the Darksaber, it was not in the hands of Bo-Katan, though. It was in Mandalorian with, uh, with oh, what was his name? Oh, my gosh. Um, Giancarlo Esposito? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so Moff sad. Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon in his hand. Yes. So, um, so we, we kind of have some connection here. And Ahsoka... 
after kind of reconciling with the the Martez sisters, who don't make another appearance, I believe. Um, right. I think that their main thing was they kind of showed us how Ahsoka survived and that not everybody likes the Jedi, but pretty much they hand her off to the Mandalorians. That's right. And and, and of those three, one of them was also Ursa Wren, correct? Sabine's mother. I think so, yeah. <clears throat> um. So this sets up the final four arc. Old Friends for mm-hmm. Not Forgotten, Phantom Apprentice, loved that title. Uh, Shattered and Victory and Death, uh, great titles. Um, and and these these started even with a very different feel. It didn't have a, the Mandal. It didn't have the Clone Warsy feel. It really had. Uh, I mean, you, you had uh, instead of the yellow, you had red. On the title screen, you didn't have mm-hmm. the Kenner music. You had Williams music, which to me, and Kenner did a great job with the music, but bringing the Williams music, it really gave it a heavier weight, like something, like like you were in a march to the end of right. this, and that Absolutely. this is not going to end uh, well. And so, um, and so we have Ahsoka, Bo-Katan contact the, the Jedi. They won't help. Uh, basically, t- get, getting rid of Darth Maul and Mandalore, and um, it was great to see. Um, you know, this is post General Grievous is dead. Yes, mm-hmm. so we are we are now concurrent into right. Revenge of the Sith. These things are happening. Well, and you get those little tidbits as it's going on and along the way. Like something is mentioned about. I think it was at Shock T. You know, what mm-hmm. about Shakti? Well, she's been off to deal with, mm-hmm. you know, to whatever the planet was to deal with such and such, which is where we end up see her ultimately being gunned down after Order 66 happens, all that stuff. And so, yeah, you've got these things all happening, you know, along the way. And Obi-Wan's going to leave and Anakin's going to head off, you know, to continue his shadowing the Emperor and mm-hmm. all this stuff that's going on at the time that we're familiar with. Well, they get a another- call that... that- that a new warp, a new warp lane. Ah, been watching too much. Ah, Star Trek. A new hyperspace. Ah, same thing. Um, lane has been discovered. That mm-hmm. that Grievous is attacking Coruscant, and that's where we pick up Revenge of the Sith. That's right. And that's and right. Anakin and, off to that and Kenobi have to lead. Yeah, and that's where we pick up as them and A wings or an earlier yes. version of A wings speeding toward the Chancellor. Um, in uh in Grievous' ship. But they leave behind a contingency they like half mm-hmm. or leave behind some amount of the five oh first, which by the way, how big was the five oh first? I mean huge. huge, huge, because it looks like Ahsoka has enough army, well, to attack Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's what her job is. Uh Rex gets a field promotion, uh, which is where he uh now becomes commander, uh uh Rex, but of course he that set up, I'm sure everybody's like, when we saw him in Rebels, he was not commander. He was... <laughs> That's in, right. He was captain. He was Captain Rex. Um, and Gar Saxon is uh, is still... Uh, and and Prime Minister Alec, or mm-hmm. Almec, are Al-Mec, kind of running this. Yeah. And we see Gar Saxon is who we see much older in Rebels, right? Right. Mm-hmm. As the, he's the, kind of the head of Death Watch there. Right. And he's running um, Mandalore yeah. over... But he's pro em, pro empire and right, um, and so basically we get to see this huge, you know, 
Ahsoka hunting down Maul. Great fight sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, capturing Maul. I was kind of shocked, like, how this went along. I, I thought it would have ended, like, a little differently and sooner. But, like, the fact that, you know, they're up in the catwalks of Mandalore and fighting. And she does capture him. And yes. it was just beautiful. It was so uh, nice. And, you know, they're seeing... I don't know. Did I send you the behind-the-scenes footage of those battles between her and Maul? Because, well, I know, you know that they they're had, all... They're all motion captured. They had Ray Cat, Ray Park came in and yeah. did the motion capture, and, and he originally played I, Maul and Phantom Menace. Right, and uh, I can't remember the name of the lady who did the Ahsoka parts, but she's equally as fantastic. It was not Ashley Epstein, and, although she was very good. It was, it <laughs> was not it was her. Not, it was not um, the person who voices uh, but Ahsoka. But it was so neat to me because it felt different, even than some of the other Clone Wars and Rebels battles that you've seen. Like it felt motion capture in the best way, mm-hmm. and in fact, I've said this to somebody before but like i follow ray park on instagram and if anybody follows him he'll put up these like workout videos sometimes where he's got just a big you know staff and he's doing his lightsaber moves and that jump attack that he does in that first lightsaber battle with her i've seen him do it on those videos in real life you saw him do some version of that in phantom menace and it just it just made it feel that much more real and that much more Fantastic, But what I love so much about those scenes is to see that development of Ahsoka. I mean, she is legit. She is a Jedi Master. She's a warrior. She's smart. She's wise. You know, the line that she says as we get further into this last arc when they're trying to escape from that ship, Rex has had his chip taken out, all that stuff, and she basically says, they may die, but I'm not going to be the one to kill them. Yeah, And, you know, the value that she put on those lives, even if they were clones, even if they were, you know, just the full development of Soka to me, because she's become, over the years, one of my favorite Star Wars characters, period. But especially in the early Clone Wars and a lot of Clone Wars, she was annoying. And it was, you know, Snips and Sky Guy and all that. <laughs> it just, it was too much and I didn't like it. But I'm just, you know, I'm, I fell hard for Ahsoka over the course of Rebels and seeing this last part of Clone Wars, and I just think she's such a fantastic carrier, but that also char- character that also carries the weight of that relationship with Anakin as her master and how that plays out even on into Rebels and those confrontations that they have. Yeah. Um, so in the last two episodes, uh, we get to see we get to see some really cool kind of things. We get to see like um, a hologram conversation a holodeck conversation uh that we got to see the real person version of it like it picks mm-hmm. up and it drops off and it was kind of mm-hmm. cool to see that because grievous has been tracked down to Utapau, uh and and it looks like everything's kind of wrapping up uh and it does it's this sense false of of everything is is gonna everything's gonna work out sort of thing uh and then all of a sudden order 66 comes in we have the five oh first who's painted their helmets to look like a to Gruen, uh mm-hmm. all of a sudden hunting her down. Uh and yeah, her having to basically outsmart them and try to restore Rex's uh free will by getting rid of that inhibitor chip. Um and then in uh episode twelve, the last episode of Victory and Death, was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, especially like the scene of the of the star cruiser coming out of being wrenched out of warp. Out of, mm-hmm. Good gosh, I'm going to get, sorry, 
out of hyperspace, getting wrenched out of out of hyperspace, and just the way that that was designed, mm-hmm. it it was it was one of the most beautiful space scenes in film and television I've ever seen. I don't know how they did that, but it was when they get ripped out of hyperspace and and are getting pulled to that moon, the star mm-hmm. cruiser, the debris, everything is just great. The stakes are great. You know exactly what's happening. You have this kind of Maul, Ahsoka, Rex working together and opposing each other. And I mean, um, you know, it did kind of feel a little fun housey with the, all the floors dropping and all of sure. a sudden you got new, but, but, um, but, you know, it's, it's nice that they, you know, yeah, that she wasn't going to be the one who killed them. They're trying not to kill these, right. uh, these, uh, clone troopers, and then you have the crash landing, and you have Ahsoka burying one of her lightsabers. That's right. Um, and then you get the big ending of the show, Darth Vader mm-hmm. marching at some point over to to recover one of her lightsabers. Mm-hmm. And then we end. And we end. Yeah. And you have the little, you know, the little nods. You have the, was it the convoy flying overhead that has... Mm-hmm. You know, come to represent her early in some of the Clone Wars episodes, but then especially on into Rebels and how that was that sign of, you know, her presence and tied back to the Mortis arc even with, yeah, you know, with her being sister. revived by the daughter or the spirit of the daughter and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it was really, I had no way of knowing how they were going to end it. And of course, you know, everybody had projections and predictions and, you know, I think I made some ridiculous prediction about what I thought it was going to be and I was nowhere near it like but it was a great ending like it, it really ended it good. ended really well it, and mm-hmm. uh you know it, it didn't like tie back perfectly to the first episode and all that stuff but it didn't necessarily need to do that because it did get to lean on Revenge of the Sith that's right which which is in my opinion the best of the prequel movies uh mm-hmm. and a really good story um and uh and and really sets us up for meeting Ahsoka later, meeting Rex later. Um, it it really it connects to who they are, and of course, right. I mean these are all the bond that they have. Yeah, I mean these are all characters born of Filoni's mind. That's right. Um, but it it was just nice to see uh, the trajectory kind of make sense. Um, yeah, and I like that the Ahsoka Rex relationship, like you mentioned. In fact, I listened to something just yesterday that talked about, and I haven't gone back and done this yet, but going back and seeing when they're reunited in Rebels and that first hug that they give each other when they see each other just has so much more weight, Mm -hmm. you know, even now. And it's almost like we talked about with the transition from the end of Rogue One into what we always knew as the beginning of Star Wars. Like, it just has a little bit more weight now watching the start of Star Wars because of how Rogue One ended in that fury of you know, all that stuff happening so quick and what we know happened and how they got to that point. It just, I love how you can build that in to something that's already been around for a period of time mm-hmm. and figure out a way to make those connections. That's one of the things I love so much, of course, about Star Wars is the connections of it all. Well, and I just like, I like that Dave Filani got to end it. I think that if you were to ask him now, did you get to end this Thing that you started when was the first episode first episode aired well that was the movie first episode aired in October of 2008 so this thing okay. uh, that you know that started 12 years ago did you end mm-hmm. it how you want it uh, you know I don't know if he would have said yes 
after the end of I mean, we've had a couple of weird like when did it really end? Did it end? Right. Because uh, Netflix released some additional ones. And, the Lost Missions or whatever they are. Yeah, and so... Um, but, I mean, I, I I would say that this this is a good ending of a pretty pretty long saga. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it was seven seasons. Absolutely. Um, that's, and a lot of those a, were like 20-episode seasons. Yeah, they were they were long seasons. So, anyway, I, I, think it, I think it was a really good ending. And so, if you haven't seen uh, Clone Wars, we spoiled it for you. Uh, but right. it is it is something worth going and seeing, and and I think you know just how Filoni. Let's just say it like this: Filoni ends well when given the chance to end. He mm-hmm. ends well. He ended okay. Rebels well. Absolutely. He ended Clone Wars well, and he was part of the Mandalorian. I know that was Favreau's baby, but he was sure. an integral part of it. And and I think that the first season of that ended well. It had a good conclusion. We have we have good cliffhangers of what's next. But there wasn't this sense of, you know, I, I felt like I felt like this story ended. There's more I wanted to know about, but the story ended. We weren't left with like the cheap kind of like, oh, you know, what are these mysteries boxes? Don't want to jump right. on J.J. J. Abrams, but the <laughs> well, no, I'm sorry. It's just it gets it gets exhausting after a while of. No, setting something up and saying, completely. oh, we're not going to tell you. We're not going to tell you. You'll right, learn right. later. No, no, You'll no. learn later. It's okay uh, to tell some stuff and. Um, not to give away too much, but like you hear some of these interviews where Favreau and Filoni are talking about making the Mandalorian and how they're like, we, you know, we were kids in the sandbox with our Star Wars toys and we decided let's make a show about it. Yeah. And in this last episode of Gallery that aired today, they went a step further and he said, it's kind of like your older brother took all your good Star Wars toys and left you with the Jawas and the Ugnaughts. <laughs> And, like, one Boba Fett that you painted silver to make it look a little cooler, and all of a sudden, you've got Kuil, and you've got the Jawas, and you've got the Mandalorian, and, you know, it's a, but it doesn't have to be a mystery. And, yes, there's some mysteries, like, how did Gideon get the Darksaber, and, but it's not, like you said, the J.J. mystery level, mystery box kind of ordeal. Well, and, and I, think, I think that when that method of storytelling came out, it was compelling, I do think that it is something because, you know, you get this sense of like I got to, you know, you kind of have this sense of, you know, like I know where it's going to go and you you get to guess and there's a lot of fun with that. But at the same time, like it, I think it relies a lot on um, I think it relies a lot too much on the fans. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, I, I think that that is a, a story so, somewhat told and thinking fans will fans will fill it in and and then when fans do fill it in there's this kind of like stop trying to fill it in and then i don't know it, it just kind of gets a little bit you know like it was mysterious that we didn't know where the emperor came from but it was a sure. different thing to be like uh, well, let me tell you the story of how the emperor came there's no time for that right now let's move on to the next thing you're like uh, well you brought it up yeah. um yeah. Sorry, so. I brought it up. <laughs> so yeah, um, I would say, kind of in my summation of Clone Wars in this last season of Clone Wars, I, especially that last four episodes was just fantastic. I loved, like mm-hmm. you said, those vintage nods with the titling, and really you could see them releasing that as all as one, you know, film at some point, and just letting those four run, you know, together. Um, but I think one of the things I loved, and what I love about that kind of storytelling, is watching that 
gave me, like I said before, a deeper appreciation for the rest of Clone Wars to the point that I'm like, I want to go back and see it again and, you know, be reconnected to this thing that, like, I kind of know and kind of saw and am mm-hmm. somewhat familiar with. But it was compelling enough to make me go, well, maybe I was wrong about that and I need to go check it out again. Well, I, I think, you know, my my thing with Clone Wars is when it was good, it was really good. But when you had throwaway episodes... Sure. And and you had a fair number of throwaway episodes. They were not And you had the that most. in Rebels, too. You did. I felt like you didn't have as many, but you definitely had some throwaway episodes. Uh, everybody definitely thought the Space Wells was the throwaway episodes until the end. <laughs> Tur- turns um, out, not so much. But, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of what somebody... Because I one time saw that, like, Parks and Rec was listed as a like a better TV show than um than the office and I was like how could you say that the you know the office versus parks right. and rec and and the way somebody explained it and I was listening to this on NPR was like look when the office was good it was untouchable but when it was bad it was pretty bad it was bad yeah and they're parks like and, and rec hit every time and they're like parks and rec maybe it was never as good as the office on its best day but it was consistently a like a solid good show that had it made sense. It built on itself. You really, really rarely had throwaway episodes. Like Absolutely. they and so they're like, you know, that's why it's just a consistently better show. And so I feel like Clone Wars is that when it is good, it mm-hmm. is top notch. You almost forget you're watching an animated show. You were you know, it is something that you could have been sitting and watching in a movie theater. But yeah, when it's when it's not good, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's the office on this low day. Uh. Yeah, I, I like that. That's a that's a good way to look at that. And so I, I certainly approve. I thought it was a great way for it to wrap up and end, and I'm excited that we got to experience it the way we did. Yeah. All right. What's next on the agenda, Nick Milky? Well, I think um, that that is a, a good swing for us right there. I think one last thing as we. Maybe circle in on a wrap-up time. Um, as we are recording this, Father's Day is this weekend. and Yes, it is. A happy early Father's Day to you, sir. And also with you. <laughs> and also with me. Um, but what I thought might be, you know, I just kind of threw us on the spot right before we got started, but I was going to ask you, what is your favorite Star Wars father moment from any of the films, books, TV what what is your favorite father moment from Star Wars? And then I'll hit and then I'll give you mine. Oh, I think the awkward Lando moment with uh was it Dara or whatever? <laughs> Jenna. Or like Jenna, yeah. Uh, no, that's too <laughs> <laughs> No, can't be that one. Um you know, I think uh the first one that jumps to my mind is is actually from uh The Force Awakens with Han Solo and uh Ben Solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the uh, on the bridge right before Kylo Ren Ben Solo uh, murders him. I, right. I don't know why it just um, this kind of sense of of Han thinking that his son is lost and Leia saying he's not and mm-hmm. Han trying uh, to right. to get him back and and then um, and then kind of almost successfully doing it and. Um, the rise of Skywalker through, I think we say that's a memory or did someone yes. say that's a force? I've heard it, someone it say, Oh, that I, I, I saw someone say like, Oh, that was Leia projecting Han. And I was like, I did not get that. I, I, I mean, in fact, Kylo Ren says you're just a memory, but it was yeah. the fact that like, that even though 
it did not go well because, you know, the murder, um, that that in the end, Han did what what he what he what he set out to do uh, on that catwalk. And that was Mm -hmm. help bring his son back to a uh, to a healthier place. And so I think for me as a lesson as a father, uh, for those of you who who never heard our our Star Wars, actually, when we actually treat Star Wars like a sacred text, <laughs> um, I think the lesson for me on that is is that you know sometimes it doesn't parenting doesn't work out successfully in the moment, but um, but perhaps you've planted the seed that will uh, blossom in the years to come. Absolutely, absolutely. I love um, you know that scene leading up to. Leia sending Han after Ben in Force Awakens and you know he says something to the effect and I know I'm going to get it wrong you know about you know Luke couldn't do it and Leia says but Luke's not his father you know to me that was such a powerful moment of yeah Luke's a Jedi but you're his dad like you're the one that can and should go after him Um, and my moment was going to be, and you know, you, you jumped in there with me a little bit. So I guess we're the perfect dyad in the force here, um, (laughs) was the moment in rise of Skywalker where he is having that memory out on the wreckage of the death star. And he is, you know, coming back to the light. And I love how they shot that and how they mirrored a lot of the dialogue from force awakens. And, you know, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I have the strength, this and this and that. And, of course, then the clincher is when he turns around and says, Dad, and Han just says, I know. You know, that's such a great, you know, call it back to Empire, love of a father, you don't have to say anything, I know, I love you. All of that is just, you know, to me that was very, very powerful. And it it choked me up watching that movie, not for the reasons that other parts of that movie might have choked you up, but, um, but to me that was really powerful and really special. And then, of course, I love in... Jedi at the end right before Vader dies and he tells Luke to take his mask off because he wants to see him with his own eyes, you know, that one time. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's also powerful because we want to see our children and we hope our children want to be seen by their fathers and, you know, recognized in that way. So there, there are some incredibly powerful dad moments, you know, in these movies. There's not a lot of them and there's probably some bad, good quality bad dads in some of Star Wars too. Um but I thought that was, you know, something to reflect on. And if I may, <clears throat> excuse me, make a small plug. Um, I know I have shared this with you already and some of our yeah. listeners hopefully. I got to watch it. Our, on our social media, um, a podcast that I listen to called Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge is hosted by a young woman named Shannon who lives in the UK who is fantastic. And she actually works in visual effects and has worked on, I believe she worked on Lion King, um, the new Lion King and a bunch of other cool stuff. And she put out this video and it's called the moment star Wars spoke to me as a father. And it just came out on mm. Wednesday of this week. Mm-hmm. You can find it on YouTube. It's about 30 minutes long and it's filled with a bunch of different star Wars content creators sharing their moment as a father. When star Wars spoke to them, of course, as the title says, and if you watch it and you get kind of close towards the end of the video, you might see somebody on there. You recognize from our own happy little podcast of the wills. So um, I was excited to participate in that. It's a fantastic video. She made one that she released back in June. I mean, in May, that's called the moment star Wars spoke to me as a woman or female, Mm -hmm. 
which is also fantastic and very powerful. And she just announced on social media uh, yesterday, I think, that she's working on a new one that's due out sometime in July that's going to be the moment that Star Wars spoke to me as an LGBTQ person. And, Mm. you know, so she's really into finding these moments that speak to people and how are we connected to Star Wars and how we all have this buy-in and this way into this universe, this galaxy far, far away. Um, And it was really an honor for me to be able to share my story in that video. So I hope that any of our listeners will take a chance to look it up. Like I said, it's on YouTube and it's called The Moment Star Wars Spoke to Me. And is the comment section open on that? So someone could could timestamp tag? If you want to air... If you want to air your grievances, you can bring them directly to me, and I'll be glad to field those for you. <laughs> but it was a great video, and I'd love for everybody to check it out. And um, I don't know if I have anything else for us. Do you have anything else? Oh, I do have one more thing now that I say that. yeah, um, It was announced earlier this week that they are officially canceling Star Wars Celebration that was supposed to be in August this year yeah. out in Anaheim. What they're doing is they're moving it to 2022, also in Anaheim, and I think there's no better time than the present for us to start a podcast of the Will's Penny Jar and start saving our pennies so that maybe we should try to go to Anaheim and go to Celebration, just saying. I'd love I'd love that on multiple things. Never been to California, even though my mom's from California, and uh, we'd get to get to do that, and hopefully I'll be uh, done with my schoolwork by then. There you go. Um, well, as I've shared with you before, I had to... The great fortune to experience Star Wars Celebration in Orlando back in 2017 and went with a good friend of mine, Chad Gibbs, and unfortunately we were only able to go for one day, and it was so amazing and yet so overwhelming at the same time that I look forward to the opportunity to do it again, knowing what to expect and hopefully getting at least two days, if not more, just to see it all, experience it all. There's just so much going on, so... We've got some time now, and we need to start scheming and figure out how to make that work as a a podcast field trip. I think so, too. Anything else for the good of the order, Nick? I I believe that will cover it for now. All right. Well, from all of us at Podcast the Wills, Nick and I say thanks to our amazing spouses for giving us a moment to uh, steal away and do a little bit of podcasting. Thank you for putting up with us and for listening to our shows, or at least telling us that you listen to our shows. (laughs) And uh, to everybody at Lucasfilm, Disney, um, everybody who's worked uh, so tirelessly on all of these, whether Nick and I love them or we bash them occasionally, we do thank you for all of your hard work because we are not part of a toxic fan base. We are just people who love all of this. And um, so just hope that everybody has a great time. Hope everybody's staying safe during this strange time. Uh, uh, in the midst of COVID-19 and uh, may the force be with us always always